This is The After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. Kim, happy Monday. It's Monday, Happy Monday to you. That would explain why I'm dragging. Oh, did you have your, did you not have your Coachella Valley coffee? Uh, no, uh, (laughs) I don't brew coffee at home. I'm more Mm -hmm. of a, like, last minute, you know, I want to enjoy the cafe experience usually. Kind of, you know, Pete's, Pete Nick, as they call it. You go out, you get your Pete's. Yeah, but, um, I've admitted to my, my Starbucks, uh, before the show. Because I, I, I leave the show and then I um I go produce the next show, right? And then I, right. I go hang out at, at at Pete's. And when you're really nice to your baristas, they give you free refills. Just a really? Pro tip, yeah. Mm, okay. Strike up a, a rapport. Um, I like it. You know, this show, I, I heard, I don't like to come to the defense of Bill Gates, mm-hmm. but um, the PC was getting, I was on the receiving end. Kim and the PC were on the receiving end of the Mark yeah, I show. Got some. I got some heat today. I took some heat. Yeah, so I, I actually added those as two uh, points that I wanted to, uh, to to focus on. First of all, mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to blame the PC. This show is 100% PC operated, and you can see it works. Oh, well. yeah. So, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, you have the a PC. PC. I, have I, have, PC. I, have, I have a PC and, an, and a Mac, so I have both. Oh, yeah. you're a hybrid. But mm-hmm. it's never had a problem, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know if Nikki has a PC. I think she does. Yeah. But anyway, um, so uh, I just I had to come to the defense of the PC. Um mm-hmm. I also wanted to come to the defense, point of privilege, to come to the defense of Kim for taking heat in the chat room for moderating oh, yeah. somebody who I witnessed saying racist things in the uh, in the chat room. And you know what? That doesn't benefit the conversation. And you would have been a great call screener at KGO Radio because what we had to do, the reason why you had that on yeah. on-air experience you had with all the great talk show hosts is because we were taking the brunt of the idiots <laughs> that wanted to get on and we filtered them out. And the only way you could have a good broadcast experiences by getting rid of the noise so um i I come to your defense thank you for that i agree with something Lori said earlier and she said it seems like that she agrees with me but sometimes it seems like i wait too long to kick people out and she's right i do it on purpose i if you say one thing you know maybe maybe it's it's a mistake if you say a second thing you're annoying now. Right. If you say a third and fourth thing, you've got then you've agenda. shown your, you've shown yeah. yourself to be the troll you are. And you yeah, go. you've got a troll agenda. Yeah. And I think yeah. if you asked, if you did a poll, if you took a poll, if it wasn't a dictatorship, <laughs> he took a poll yeah. of people in the chat. It's the people in the chat that it affects, and I think most yeah. people are on board with you. But I wanted I mean, to come I mean, to your defense as somebody who spent many, 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 many hours screening, screening calls, out the screening. Out I would the have crap. I would have screened out the same crap. So here's the thing: is I want it to be a nice place to come and interact with people. We've built now, and we didn't know it was going to happen. We built a community, a community of people that I enjoy. And I don't want someone to go, listen, I really enjoy that um, After Party Live chat or the Mark Thompson show chat or the Nikki Maduro show chat, except sometimes this guy shows up and it makes me uncomfortable. Or sometimes people say the weirdest stuff. I mean, we're always going to get people saying the weirdest stuff, but we do with that as long as we deal with it. What I don't want it to be is this cesspool of negativity where you come and you can't yeah. enjoy it. That's our job. Right. Debbie if you can't en- if you can't enjoy this being a cesspool of negativity, <laughs> if you can't enjoy it, then you won't come. And I want you to come. So that's yeah. why I want to make it an enjoyable I'm always curious experience. like how long, how far into the week before we have like a sad, depressing story. Oh, so we'll, well see not on this we'll show. Get, we'll see if we get there today. Every once in a while nope, we sneak nope, one in. Nope, nope. Um, I know what's depressing. 
there's a is there some type of breakup there's some type of issue oh no 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 first we need to do our good news and i think you're oh. talking about something that's coming up in entertainment news oh okay so that's yeah, a tease yeah, yeah. that's a tease right. there's something coming up in the entertainment news but al anonymous what late friday early saturday morning uh gave us a five dollar super thanks oh, so we want to thank you, give al you anonymous. A super thanks al anonymous right on aloha thank mahalo thank you thank so you for much. that thank you so much we appreciate it uh romeo and juliet are free did you know yeah, so this is kind yeah. of a it's kind of a cute story. Um, are you familiar with manatees? Yeah, they are mostly in Florida, right? Yeah, so this is what's Romeo. up, Wes? Woohoo! Uh, you can <laughs> Wes see Romeo. is my Florida connection. Oh, you know? right, right, right. Yeah, uh, I was like, that's not Wes, that's Romeo. No, <laughs> uh, this is Romeo, a sixty-seven year old. Well, maybe Wes is in the pool. Uh, a sixty-seven year old manatee. He's been here in this aquarium. Um, since 1957. Oh, this is, is really... he injured or something? That there's a reason no. he not he's not free. No, this version of Romeo and Juliet could have a happy ending. A pair of no. aging manatees living in ever deteriorating conditions at a Florida aquarium since 1956 no. will be relocated following complaints by animal rights groups yeah. and a damning report by the USDA about the conditions of at the park. You can see here. Here's an overhead shot. You can see where they're being oh, kept. No, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, those in the biz called FWS. Those tanks so, look small. Yeah, they said the manatees named Romeo and Juliet. They also don't look well taken care of. Uh, after Shakespeare's famous star-crossed lovers, they will live out the remaining years in a sanctuary where their medical and social needs can be more yeah. carefully attended to, according to The Guardian. Drone footage captured last month by advocacy group Urgent Seas uh, posted on X. Provide, oh, see, didn't mention Twitter thing. Uh, provided a bird's eye view of Romeo 67 living in d dismal isolation at the Mi Miami Sea Aquarium. In the How heartbreaking video posted, the mammal was shown swimming all by himself in brackish water on the aquarium's dilapidated Pompano pools, which are closed off to the public where the animal rights group said he's confined mm -hmm. all the time. So he's not even being shown to the public. Um, yeah, here's the Juliet. Oh, look at that. Yeah, And it looks like Juliet's cheating on Romeo because this, this is a different manatee. Uh, this is, uh, he, she's swimming with a Phoenix. So I don't know what's going on with Romeo and Juliet, but, uh, I don't think Phoenix is in the original play. Mm. Right? Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's getting around, but anyway, um, they're being, uh, they're being transported to a, a new home. So, um, good for Romeo and Juliet. I don't know about a Phoenix. We'll have to find out, do a follow up. Mm. Um, uh, but it's like Groundhog Day for sad. them, how it yeah. was described. They, they were just living in this tank, you know, day day after day after day yeah. after day. No, really I'm not sad. a fan of that. That's why I yeah. don't go to those parks. That's gross. Yeah, no, no bueno. Um, some good news regarding people helping animals, which you know that I love to hear about. The Palo Alto Animal Control oh, is stuff. helping a beaver that they found. A beaver? Mm -hmm. A little beaver. Yeah, it's a oh. beaver rescue. Her her little paddle tail was wrapped around herself. She was trying to stay warm. And oh, they say this doesn't happen very often. Yeah, they found her there. Uh, they have not had a beaver rescue in the past. They've never seen anything yeah. like this. We've had but, a beaver moon this past week. But we didn't have a beaver, beaver in the leaves. They, the calls started pouring in, multiple calls about this unusual animal found in a concrete line channel near the old Fry's Electronics. 
And oh. so they knew the Palo Alto animal control that beavers lived in the area because yeah. for the first time in more than 160 years, a beaver kit was spotted in the creek for the first time. But the sightings were really rare. And so they thought, this is their mistake, and it can't be a beaver in distress. It's true. Aww. It was a beaver in distress. 61-pound semi-aquatic beaver right there was in front of the uh, animal control officer. He said, you don't see something like this every day. I've been here 21 years, and I've never heard of anyone catching or getting a call for a beaver. They've never seen anything like this. Never seen anything like it. But they put the net over the animal. They wrapped her body in a towel. And then she started to wiggle her tail and have a little too, a little more life in her. Um, they put her in the truck. They drove her to the Wild Care Center of Silicon Valley, San Jose. That was the only facility in this area equipped to care for a beaver. And it looks like she's okay. She was really lethargic. Her body temperature was low, but she had no signs of trauma. So they're trying to figure out exactly what happened. But they gave her fluid. They stabilized her. And the hope is that she will be able to be released. Because, you know, if there's not very many of them around, we need to make sure that they're able to procreate and they're here in this creek. And they're, you know, for the first time in 160 years being seen again. So, so glad they could help this beaver. All they I can say about this story is, damn. Oh, I get it. Yeah, damn. Yeah, you're really funny. Yeah, you're really funny. We haven't named her. We have to come up with a show name for the beaver. Hmm. We'll think of it. We'll think of something. <laughs> this um, rescue beaver. Betty? So I'm thinking of all the like beaver jokes that I shouldn't be telling. and I'm not. Yeah, I know. It's just it's bad. You just start thinking your mind goes in the gutter. I get it. Yeah, my mind's right. Think of a name there. for the beaver. Maybe that's not such a wise idea. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the next story. Uh, we are inundated. Animal shelters across the U.S. are overflowing. So in the lobby of the Inland Valley Humane Society and SPCA oh, no. in Pomona, um, this one uh, animal caretaker gestured toward rows of kennels erected a few months ago to house an influx of stray cats. In another area, pop-up crates for dogs are stacked on wheels. Um, the, this is the president, chief executive of the shelter. She said it's more evidence of the flood of animals coming into the facility since the COVID lockdown. So all those people, you know, that felt like they they were lonely and they wanted an animal during the pandemic, mm. they got their they got their animals, but they're turning them back in, which I think it just sucks. Um, they're inundated. They say the shelter services for a dozen cities in the region are overwhelmed. We've had kennels in the lobby for cats. An overcrowding uh, crisis has gripped animal shelters. This is happening everywhere across across the country. Oh, look at these names for the cats. Mr. Burns, Krusty the Clown, and Bart. Um, yeah, so the Animal Care Centers of New York City, which runs the city's public animal shelters, announced in October that it was closed for most dog surrenders because it's too full. Earlier this year, shelters in North Carolina and Texas also temporarily suspended most intakes for similar uh, reasons. They're just, they're out of space. So I guess if you if you can adopt an animal and you're thinking about it, um, now would be a great time to do that. It, you know, there's just, there's so many. Yeah, that's kind of a sad lovely, one. These lovely creatures. Yeah. Um, we have a lady that stole Barbie stuff and she wasn't messing around. Like she didn't Julia? just kind of, no, not my Julia. <laughs> oh, okay. Some other lady stole the Barbie stuff. And a lot oh, of wow. it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Let's check this out. Um, are, are, did you see the Barbie movie? No. They um, sixty Minutes did an interview with uh, what's her name, Greta, Greta something, Greta. Greta Ger Gerwig. Yeah, Greta Gerwig. Um, I didn't know she was like an actress before that. Before, mm. before this, um, 
She's very, very talented. But anyway, um, after stealing $800 worth of Barbie toys from a Buffalo area Walmart, which is where you do it, right? Mm-hmm. The New York woman led police on a 100 plus mile per hour chase, according to investigators. Cops say Imoni Thompson, 26, swiped the Barbie hall Monday afternoon from a Walmart supercenter in Lockport. You know where that is. After walking out of the retailer, Thompson departed in a 2016 Ford Escape, according to New York police. After officers spotted her car, they activated emergency lights and sought to have her pulled over. Instead, she continued to flee, hitting speeds in excess of 100 miles per hour. Citing public safety concerns, cops say they discontinued the chase but located the Buffalo resident the following day and arrested her for larceny, fleeing an officer and multiple traffic offenses. Thompson was issued an appearance ticket and is due in Lockport Court next month. It is unclear whether the Barbie merchandise was recovered or whether the stolen goods included a dream house or any products featuring Ken, Barbie's reported boyfriend, or her sister, Skipper. Mm. So yeah, even even the Barbie world is not safe from crime. I used to have a Skipper. I remember I, her hair got uh, crusted with green, like, Oh, uh, this slime. is the creepy doll where you cut... You cut uh, yeah, I cut her hair. Yeah, she didn't. it didn't work out well for my Skipper. <laughs> to another crime we go. This lady looks like she's had a rough one. I yeah, mean, this one was sent in by Annie K uh, yesterday. Thanks, so shout Annie. Out to Annie K. Thank you, Annie. So where is Osage County? Do we know where Osage County is? I want to say that's Oklahoma. I could do a bit of the Google. There she is. Yeah, she's. I don't know if that's makeup yeah, or if Oklahoma. that's. How about that for ma- geography? There you it. go. I don't know if this is makeup or if she had like she has two black eyes at the same time. I don't know. But there's this woman here, featured here. Her name is Allison. And apparently she tried to escape after someone locked her in the employee bathroom because she was trying to rob a business. They lock her in the employee bathroom. In an attempt to escape, she crawled through the ceiling to the public restroom and then later fell to the ground. She uh, went to the register of the business with some sort of cloth over her face, demanding all the money in the cash register. And she told witnesses at the scene, sorry, I have to do this. What can you tell us about the scene? Witnesses said she didn't have a weapon, but her boyfriend was outside. She apologized saying, my boyfriend is making me do this. This is when a struggle began between the witnesses and this woman, they were able to lock her in the employee bathroom. And that's when she climbed out uh, and, and fell through the ceiling of the public restroom. There was about $750 in damage to the business and off Allison goes to jail. Mm -hmm. She kind of looks like, um, kind of like a fabulous raccoon. (laughs) I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. I kind of feel bad for Allison. I mean, maybe she's, you know, in a domestic situation happening. I don't know. Wow, you're just you've you just like uh, you've given her a, a whole narrative to get out of this. Well, yeah, Are she said her boyfriend's attorney? making her do it. I, yeah, yeah, I'm the David Katz of the situation. That's right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe she's a meth raccoon. It's, <laughs> it's possible. Something's not adding up here. Um, speaking of something that never adds up, our our friends, the ones who don't want any attention. The House of Commons will be told to strip Harry and Meghan of their royal titles after the oh, latest no. installment of the couple's feud with the rest of the royal family. What's Isn't the that's... latest installment? Well, that's what we're about to say. I'm oh. about to share with you, Kim. So he won't be <laughs> Prince. He won't be Prince Harry anymore. He'll just be Harry. Uh, well, allegedly, a Parliament could consider the nuclear option of stripping Harry and Meghan of their royal titles under bombshell legislation to be proposed this week. Conservative MP Bob Seeley is putting forward a bill that could deny the couple the Duke and Duchess standing as royal family becomes 
Um, increasingly engulfed in the racism row fueled by the pair's unofficial mouthpiece, the Isle of Wight MP wants to adopt laws originally passed in the First World War to deny enemy German nobles their British titles. His bill would force the Commons to consider turning Harry and Meghan into plain Mr. and Mrs. Sussex at a time when the couple are mounting pressure to break their silence over incendiary claims made by author Omid Scobie. Um, his book, his new book, Endgame, has reignited a race row when the Dutch translation named the king uh, and Kate Middleton as the senior royals alleged to have speculated about the skin color of Prince Archie. Mr. Seeley said that he had to act because of the attempt to use race to smear the royal family, which he called poisonously insidious. Mm. So, do you think that was a mistake that the uh, the Dutch version had the names? I do think it was a mistake because they pulled that. They had to go to a lot of trouble to try to but, get rid of it. But why would they put it in the manuscript if they didn't want it translated? Because I, I feel for the translator. She's getting all that. She's being attacked. And she said, my mm -hmm. job is to translate. I translated the, the copy that was given to me. Right. Yeah. So if they didn't want it included, why did they send it to the translator? So obviously someone made a mistake Something sending happened. it to her. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And then there was no oversight. Right. I feel like so. it's does it feel uh, maybe because I'm American but Mark it feels Hines. so unimportant to me to have a title stripped. Like, who cares whether you're the Duchess of something or whether you're just Megan? Well, it matters to them, Kim. Like, that's not a that's not a punishment. Well, it is you for know? them because it's your kind punishment of is you're no longer allowed to come into the country for ten years. You're banished. No, but I mean, it's it's a punishment for somebody who has a title to have that taken away when it it means something, right? So it's like a shaming. It's like a permanent shaming of them. What does it mean? You're rich. You're I mean, it'd be like if you took away celebrity status from Mark Thompson, that would be a that would be that a would be a problem, right? All right. right? That would be a blow. It's not about money at this point, right? Well, take away a lot of people's Bart holiday sweaters, and then you've got a problem. So this I haven't read great... the story, but I'm confused. Why does Bart have holiday sweaters? It's a great idea. You know the the whole thing with uh, ugly sweater. The yeah, but it's a contest, government ugly... agencies. So why are they spending money? And on this they're thing? making money. The 2023 Bart Ugly Holiday sweaters have arrived, and they're pretty cute. If you're one of the people that likes to wear these, they um they're 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 good. They have in the past had a Bart train with reindeer antlers, uh, snowflakes in three sizes, a four color Bart map that lights up, the transit agency's logo, and a button that prompts a recording of the classic Bart beep beep from the legacy uh, fleet of Bart trains. This year's, yeah, it's they're cute. They have snowflakes. They have all of what I've just mentioned. And this year's sweater is $60, 60 bucks. Okay, do we have um, the why? Why not is the question. No, because it's I mean, a government agency. Fun. So are they to support the six-figure salaries of all their janitors and everybody? Kind of. Kind of. They, they had the light or sound element this year, and it so it raised the price. <laughs> they smell like Bart, too. No, they don't. Right, but this is a taxpayer-funded agency. So why are they spending money? So it was, they were money? six... They're $60 each. And I think usually they make money, but this year they're losing a little money on each sweater, $4 like each piece. Agency. But then again, so Bart also spends a lot of money advertising, right? Uh, sponsoring things, getting their name in the community. So this is, you could argue, is a good way of having doing a feel-good... Do you think that people are going public to spend relations money campaign. taking Bart if they see the sweater? I think... That a lot of people that you know like what Bart, I was gonna drive, but you know what? That is an mm, ugly sweater. You would be surprised. This sweater, the Bart sweater, every year is a phenomenon. It 
people want it. The first one came out in 2021. They sold out the first two years. So Bart ordered 3,000 sweaters this year. They pre-sold 2,300. I think they might be sold out. The 2023 sales are expected to make $106,000 for BART. Well, you know, they're spending money managing this whole program and whatnot. I'd rather mm-hmm. see them spend that money on um, having actual police officers on the BART cars because I've never seen one like in the well, last year. Well, it brings in $100,000 for the BART agency. I don't know. Well, how are they spending that? Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, they're cute. Assists, I like it. I don't think I like it. agency should have swag. They're, they say it's we're boosting Bart's image, a sweater fest. They boost yeah. Bart's Calvin image. Calvin has a good, po- po- uh, good point. It's mm. not worth 60 bucks. 25 at most. And what remember it. It's made in it, China. It lights in China. It lights up. It makes noise. It's Bay Area, you know, kitschy. It's cute. Yeah. Uh, I vote no. I don't know. I don't ride Bart because I'm in the North Bay, but I I would, you know, if I would buy one if I had a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to get a job, a good way to do it is by going to bed at the same time every night. Sleep experts uh, told Daily, DailyMail.com they recommend going to the bed, going to the bed, going to bed at the same time every night. Do you do? Do you go to bed uh, relatively at the same time every night? Yeah, relatively at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the advice comes as good news for night shift workers who sleep in the day. Um, yeah, seven hours is the optimum length of time that you should be asleep, according to multiple studies. I know you're not getting that, right? Mm-mm. I yeah, I get eight. I'm 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 I don't know stubbornly going to make sure that I always get eight, so that I uh, you know don't uh, suffer the impacts of sleep deprivation and mm-hmm. you know kill myself over the long on the over the long run so they um, say it's the same time every night that's the the thing yeah, not the that, length. that's a key factor that's a key factor is when you go to bed research has long found that those who sleep between six and eight hours a day are less likely to develop a host of diseases and even live longer surprisingly recent research suggests that maintaining a consistent sleep routine could be more beneficial than more time in slumber that's so interesting. they uh, Dr. Chris Winter, a neurologist, sleep expert, and host of Sleep Unplugged podcast, uh, told Daily Mail that he recommends going to bed and waking up at the same time every morning. In general, sleep schedules are important because our bodies work best when they're able to anticipate what's coming up rather than just react to it, right? Your body is anticipating the rest happening at a certain time. So if it's uh, if that's always moving around, a lot of things that happen as a result of sleep don't happen or aren't as effective because your brain is not entirely sure when it's go- what's going on here. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Why are you watching this TV show at 3 a.m. in the morning? A study uh, published last month in the journal Sleep found that keeping a regular sleep routine reduced reduced the risk of early death by 20 percent. Well, that's, that's significant. significant. Re- yeah. The researchers also noted that while the amount of time sleeping was important, shorter, more regular sleep was associated with a lower risk of early death than longer sleep with inconsistent bedtime. So try to go to bed at the same time every night. That's the mm-hmm. uh, key takeaway there. Yeah. Beth says worked rotating shifts for 15 years and that is tough on sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's cool, though. I like the... Uh, the idea of your body having a system, your body kind of yeah. regulates and knows. And I've noticed that, like, if I stay up late on the weekends, um, mm-hmm. that that exhaustion of staying up, you know, watching another show, another episode or two, I can feel exhausted when I go to bed, and then the next day I'm sluggish. Yeah. So I think it's my body saying, like, "What are you doing, dude?" Oh, Doug, thank you very much for the super sticker. It's a five dollars super sticker from Doug Koch. And did we, um, I know you did, You gave Wes a shout out, but I didn't know he gave uh, $5 as well. Yay, Wes. Thank you so Yay. much for that. Yay. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, Doug. 
Uh, Wes says, speaking of which, I always sleep with the TV on, never has bothered me. But then again, I have nightmares about my pillow and dental implants. Oh, no. You know who also has nightmares about my pillow? Mike Lindell. Oh, God. They're coming to take my, my money. They're taking my factories. Yikes. All right. Let's look at this story because I think these robots are cool. These are anthrobots. Tiny bio machines built from human tracheal cells. It's interesting. It's a new new classification of robots, biological robots, evolved from theory to reality in just a few short years. Scientists West theory. theory. No, not from West theory. Researchers successfully harvested material from frog embryos to create their first multicellular bots in 2020. The xenobots could move, record data, collect materials, heal themselves. That's a creepy name. Even replicate for a few generations before they naturally decompose. So those were the first ones, right? Yeah, xenobot. Xenobot. Unlike the typical image of a robot built with electronics and metal components, the bio-organic robots often combine genetically altered or guided cells into a form that doesn't naturally occur within their source bodies. We are the xenobots. (laughs) At first, the team didn't know if they'd be able to adapt their methods for any species other than amphibians, but the answer is yes. So they took human tracheal cells and they created these biological machines. You'll find the study in Advanced Science. And Anthrobots. Yeah, and your nightmares. That's right. Anthrobots not only can be constructed from adult human cells without the need for any genetic modification, but they are already proving more medically promising than uh, other robot xenobots before them. Xenobots. Xenobots. We wanted to provide what cells can prove what cells can do, create default features in the body, according to researchers, by reprogramming interactions between cells, new multicellular structures can be created, analogous to the way stone and brick can be arranged into different structural elements like walls, archways, or columns. Uh, It's weird. It's really weird. Uh, I don't know what to say or what you could use this for, but researchers say the xenobots are giving them a better understanding of the function and potential of these things. These biomachines, they hope, could be deployed across a wide range of scenarios, maybe repair spinal or retinal nerve damage. If you deploy Mm, them, they go in and fix things up, Uh, identify cancerous cell growths, apply drugs to specific areas of the body. You know, they just inject you with some xenobots and... Square uh, wants me to do it. Does not compute in the voice. Okay. Does not compute. Does not <laughs> compute. We have the xenobots. So, uh, like, they're going to show up to repair your spine. Is it going to be like the the cable guy? You get like a window, you know, oh. a four-hour window, and they'll just show up. And uh... You know those... Xenobots m- here. You know those movies? <laughs> <laughs> We're here to fix it. Between fix one, and, spine. 1 and 4 p.m. We're no. here to fix your spine. <laughs> You know those movies they have, I don't know, that inject something into you. It's more like a sci-fi thing and you see them crawling or whatever. It's just, I I get that it could be a good thing and they could repair damage and they could allow people to do things. But you start messing around with human cells and I start thinking, wait a minute, do we want to go down this road? 
genetically modified humans. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, as long as you're not like procreating with the uh, changes, right? Because then you'd be uh, uh, moving it forward to the next generation. That'd be a little well. They bit said they could at some point the frog ones could procreate. Yeah, for at least a couple of generations before they died away. Ribbit, so. ribbit, <laughs> Rod Jameson. Hi, Rod. Dollars. Thank you for all your hard work. Thank uh, you, Rod. Thank you, Rod. You're thank awesome. You. We appreciate that so thank much. Thank you. Very kind. Uh, yeah. Every dollar goes we, a very long way on our, on our small budget. We have to go. We have to pay, use that money to pay the cell phone bill so the kids are happy, right? Oh, no. Not cell phones. Here. Mm-hmm. This is a story I can get behind. <laughs> Minnesota Middle School bans student cell phones and kids are happy. A Minnesota Middle School bans student cell phones a year ago. And the difference has, uh, that it's made is night and day, according to officials. Uh, I wonder if they interviewed the kids. I believe the ban is game changing and will have lasting impact on our students um, for years to come. Uh, this is according to the middle school principal, Patrick Smith. There was no cross the table conversation. There was no interaction in the hallways. And let's be real. These devices are students, especially our teenagers. There's a lot of drama that comes from social media and a yeah. lot of conflict that comes from it. Um, last year, school officials banned student cell phone use for the entire school day from 8, 10 a.m., 8, 10 to 2.40 p.m., following a variety of issues at the school tied to the devices. We have a culture and climate uh, concern. We see issues uh, that kids are getting on their phones through interactions of bullying, setting up fights. <laughs> it's like, Mm-mm. let me see. Um, I'm not free Tuesday for a fight. How are you I'd on like Wednesday? I'd like to s- schedule can, this thing. Can you send yeah. me an invite? Send me a Google <laughs> Calendar invite. Uh, just the gamut of a lot of negative things kids are going uh, back and forth on social media he said uh, adding the distraction from learning was also a major concern. The new policy encourages students to keep their phones in their lockers and devices are confiscated for the day if students are caught using them. School officials vetted the idea with parents ahead of implementation and the response was super positive. When they unveiled the plan, parents applauded. Nobody has ever pushed back. I mean, in my experience, not one parent or community member has come in and said, this is bogus. You shouldn't be doing this. Our kids should be able to have their phone. It's been very, very much supported by our community and our parents and our staff. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, kids are happy. They're engaging with each other. The hallway behavior, it's just night and day. Um, while it remains to be seen how the change has impacted academics, feedback from parents who spoke uh, to the uh, to this TV station uh, suggested it's making a difference. What's interesting about this story is, I mean, in most cases, at least in my both the schools that my kids attend, there is no cell phone use in the classroom oh. or at lunch or on the playground or anywhere else. So, so same thing. It's the same thing. And and so it hasn't been a big deal. At Petaluma High School, you can have your cell phone at lunch or in the hallway, but you can't. They have a little pocket. that You have to slide it into a pocket when you walk into the classroom. And everyone has their phone up there on the wall, so you can't have your phone. What's interesting is they don't do the same way with your watch. So right now, I could text Julia and it would show up on her Apple Watch. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty. I mean, if there's one thing kids are good at, it's figuring Mm -hmm. out how to get around their parents' rules or the school's rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, though. Okay, I'm so excited about this. This is kind of another animal story, honestly. Sea star babies have been born. Uh, You know how I love a good sea star story. Like sea stars. stars, yeah, they're called sea stars. I couldn't find a picture of the base, and, but just imagine like a little embryotic. Oh, babies. you couldn't find a sea star baby pic? Well, you gave me a story that didn't have a picture of them. Oh, they're very cute. I think they're adorable. They're like little mini, well, little mini starfish is what they are. A smaller version of this. Yeah, they're really, really cute. But these are big, right? 
It's well, hard to tell the perspective, but I think these are pretty big. I don't, yeah, tw- I mean, massive 24 arm starfish. Yeah, they are pretty yeah. big. I'm going to try yeah. to show you a picture of them. Uh, here it is right here. Here you go. This is a little sea star baby. Yeah. Oh. Look at that. It looks like an so, ornament. It does look like an ornament, doesn't it? Yeah. Very cute. This happened at the San Diego Zoo. The sea star babies have hatched. Yay! Um, Dozens of larvae of critically endangered sea star species were hatched using new innovations in reproductive cell cryopreservation technology. This is the first time they've done it. The reproductive sciences team produced offspring of the sunflower sea star, which at, at adulthood is a massive 24-armed starfish that until recently thrived along the Pacific coast. They did it using frozen sperm that were thawed later to use for and fertilize eggs. They say we are really excited to take on a new challenge for our lab, the successful reproduction of dozens of sunflower sea stars through cryopreservation is an exciting step forward for sea star recovery efforts. This sunflower sea star is one of about 20 species devastated by something called a wasting syndrome. It was linked to climate change. It killed more than 90% of sunflower sea stars. Uh, They were one of the hardest hit by this wasting syndrome. Used to be more than 5 billion of these roamed the Pacific coast from Baja to Alaska before the wasting illness. Now, only 600 million remain worldwide. Along California, the Wildlife Alliance says this species is functionally extinct. So that they made this happen and could have these little sunflower sea stars hatch at the San Diego Zoo, it's a pretty big deal. I love it. Using Very science cool. for good. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a story coming up that involves nudity, but first we have to oh. take a break. Here on the nudity? Party. You're going to make me wait for the naked? Yeah, we're going to talk about nudity and we're going to talk about aging uh, coming up here on the After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute 10, 15 or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the about section of the YouTube channel at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Uh, some people don't like the Aloha, bitches. I have to say it makes me giggle every time I hear it. Yeah. So, Someone yeah, said I love uh, it. you're better than that. <laughs> no, we're not. We're really not. No, thank you, Wes, for the $5 super sticker. You, we appreciate you. Thank uh, you, Doug, for the $5 super sticker. So nice of you. And Rod for the... Is that a $20 super yeah, sticker? Yeah, that wow. was $20. Or super um, chat. Thank one of the guys. things that camaraderie that brought us together at the radio stations behind the scenes is like all the inappropriate conversations because when you're covering, yeah. especially we didn't directly cover, but the, when you guys cover the you know the horror horrific news, you're I right. think after what they call that like the the, the humor and the, the gallows humor, gallows the humor. <laughs> after a while it, it, you can't help but just be sensitized to it, so you yeah. you know you make inappropriate jokes. If you could only have heard the things that went on behind the scenes. Awful. We're yeah, glad not, you couldn't. Yeah. yeah, they're not ready for radio. Uh, but we huge want... thank you to yes. our ongoing contributors. Yes, it's Janet R. It's Joyce M. 
It's Nancy V and Vincent Vincent V. Nancy V and Vincent V. You got the V's. And Ricky F. Thank and you Ricky so much, F. you guys. Thank you. Yeah. You guys are the backbone. Yeah. We're 100% crowdfunded. Um, we're probably yeah. about halfway to the size audience that we need to sustain this long term. So if yeah. you're not contributing and you were thinking about contributing, now would be a great time. These regular monthly payments are what it's going to make it work. Just, and you know, I just to, to say, keep it real. Just to keep it real, if, as the kids say. If you would like to do something free for us, just click that like button and click the subscribe button. Thank you for yeah, sharing that. Or well. share it on Facebook. You yeah. know, the more people we get uh, to check it out, the, you know, the help. Did you hear about Jane Fonda? She was interviewed on a podcast, which, by the way, we need to get her on our podcast. Oh, I thought you wanted nudity. Oh, well, Jane well, we'll Fonda. We'll after Jane. Yeah, Jane Fonda has made some pretty outrageous confessions. Although this is kind of about nudity. Why she would only want a younger lover. Oh, Jane nudity. says, she says, I'm done. I'm over 86. Even in the dark, I wouldn't want to make it in front of anyone. She said. Well, she's still doing if, media interviews, so she's not completely done. She's gorgeous. She said, if I, I'm ashamed to say this, uh, but if I were to take a lover, he'd she's have to ashamed. be I'd have to be 20. Her I'm reason, ashamed. she says. I'm ashamed to say this to the public. What, what outlet is this? I don't know. Uh, this is Huffington Post. I'm so ashamed to share but this. But she appeared on a podcast called Absolutely Not. But here's her reason. Are you ready okay. for this? She says, because I don't like old skin. <gasps> She's ageist. Consequently, she says, I don't want to foist that on anybody else. I assume other people are like me. I just don't like old skin. And so she Wait. said she'd feel like a hypocrite if she did sleep with someone in the oh, 20s. Okay. She said, I disapprove an 86-year-old and a 20-year-old woman. So I'm not going to repeat that the other way around. She said, I can ogle them, and I can't pretend that I don't get turned on if I see a certain kind of person. But no, I don't want to force myself, like, my old skin on anyone. So, no, she won't. So she would only so hook sad. up with somebody in her 20s, but in their 20s, but she won't do that. So it's kind of a circular... Yeah, she won't do it because she doesn't believe that's right. Okay. Well, Because she has old skin, and she doesn't want to... She took us on a trip. She did take us on she a bit of a it, trip. She there. won't do it. Yeah. She can't do it. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of skin, I teased this story. So let's see if we get demonetized. Uh, an, a Formula One driver. Now, his name is pronounced or is spelled B O T T A S. Botas. It's, it's Botas, not bot, Botas. Botas. <laughs> He's raised 150. Uh, $150,000. Yeah. Uh, and actually, that's what they're naming the calendar is the Bottass Nude Calendar. So B-O-T-T-A-S-S. -S. I was onto something. <laughs> uh, Formula One driver Valtteri Bottas has raised $150,000. This is for the Movember charity uh, after this Bottas 2024 calendar featuring photographs from him bearing his backside sped off the shelves. An initial run of 10,000 calendars only cost five euros. So that's like a $5.50. And from, that's a uh, lot of calendars right? money raised, yeah, right? from each going to prostate cancer research. Uh, it's swiftly sold out. I wonder why. Thank you so much for all the support in November with all the donations and calendars we have uh, together raised a substantial amount of money, he announced via social media. Uh, the Alfa Romero driver had the calendar idea with photographer Paul Ripke after his partner and Australian cyclist Tiffany Cromwell took a picture of Bates, uh lying naked in a stream in Aspen, Colorado. That shot proved a hit on Instagram and was sold for charity. I've had questions, people asking me, why did you do that? Why would you want to show your ass? <laughs> Speedcafe.com. Uh, why not? Then, 
when I explained the charity aspect, people got it. And we had so much fun. So as you can imagine, taking those pictures, um, he says his mother had some initial reservations. She doesn't really understand English that well. And when she seen some of the videos I had posted, she was quite confused and protective, asking me, are you sure that's the path you want to go? <laughs> so I explained the charity thing and it was all fine. And it looks like he did this in a previous previous year. He did this in a um, in a magazine. Uh, you can see there they've artfully covered yeah. the uh, play on words. Yeah, they've covered the crack there with the mm -hmm. uh, the S's. Uh, but anyway, we promised you a nudity story. And there, that's there you funny. Go. Well, from fun nudity to anger, a uh -oh. study is revealing that she looks annoyed. Anger can actually help you get ahead at work. How does this happen? Yes, a study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, Psychology tested how anger can help people attain their goals across six experiments. The researchers found that when the challenges were complex and thorny, having participants get angry helped them achieve their goals more than feelings of amusement, sadness, or a neutral emotion. So if you're pissed off to get in, uh, enough to get it done, it's that anger can motivate you. Participants in the anger conditions did better in a variety of situations in attaining goals despite challenges compared, uh, compared to neutral conditions and several other emotional states. This included doing better at solving puzzles, cheating to attain prizes, video games that involve skiing around poles, and taking political action by voting or signing a petition. When you're angry, you tend to think about your angry uh, and you're not thinking about the thing, right? You don't overthink the actual task if you're angry. I, that's what I think. That's not what they say. But <laughs> the lead author and a professional psychological and brain sciences uh, researcher, Heather Lynch, says anger did not lead to better outcomes in fairly easy situations that didn't involve the same types of challenges. In one of the studies, they had college students randomly assigned an emotion. The students in the anger condition would watch insults to their football team, while students in the desire condition saw dessert. Those in the amusement saw cute kittens and laughing infants, and those prepped to feel sad saw images of funeral and sickness. Then they had 20 minutes to write out and unscramble as many words as they could, from four sets to uh, up to seven anagrams. In varying levels of difficulty, students who were primed to get mad solved 39% more anagrams than those in the neutral condition. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I want to mention in the chat, they're, they're, they're mentioning that the sound was cutting out there for a while. So we apologize. It's oh, not no. on our end. It's not on our end. It's on our provider's end. And unfortunately, we have no control over that. So it looks like it was a temporary event. Was it both and of it our sound or everything? Yeah, it's everything. So it looks like mm. it's come back. So okay. Yeah. Hopefully it will um, maintain. Oh, sorry about that, you guys. Yeah, um, maybe maybe the um, maybe the channel's just getting tired and old. Uh, but research finds that renting ages you faster <laughs> than smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. No renters. You're not imagining those gray hairs springing up on your head. Your living situation is actually making you older faster. This story seems to be for me. Landmark study out of the University of Adelaide and University of Essex has found that living in a private rental property accelerates the biological aging process by more than two weeks every year. Jesus. This doesn't make any Christ. sense. What does it matter whether you own it or rent it? You're paying let's for find, it. Let's find out. The research yeah. found renting had worse effects on biological age than being unemployed, 
which adds mm. 1.4 weeks per year. Obesity, which adds one week per year. And being a former smoker adds one over just over one week. University of Adelaide professor of housing research Emma Baker said private renting adds about two and a half weeks of aging per year to a biological clock. Um, in fact, private rental is really interesting here because social renters, for some reason, don't seem to have that effect. What is social renting? Social renting versus private renting? I don't know. Interesting. She said the security of social, oh, public housing mm-hmm. um, and home ownership has uh, compared to people living with an end of lease date on their calendars. When you look at big studies of, of the Australian population, you see the average rental lease is between six and 12 months. So even if you have your lease extended, you're still living in that slight state of unknowingness, not really, uh, really not quite secure if your lease is actually going to be extended or not. We think that is one of the things that's contributing, contributing to the loss of years effect, uh, essentially. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So, I, so it's like a stress thing. Yeah. So if it's a stress thing, like, you know, our lease period passed. I'm, I'm a roommate. Like it's year, it's, it's just ongoing month to month. But I'm not really stressing about it, right? Because if yeah. I lose it, like whatever, I'll get a new place to live. So I would think they would have to do with somebody's personality, whether or not that would bother them. Hmm. You know. Because it doesn't really bother I mean, me. there is something to the uncertainty. Some people want crave that stability. And they, you know, if they were to lose their apartment, they wouldn't know where they would go to find if they were in a rent controlled yeah. situation. Like, where else am I going to go? I can't live in the same city anymore. I can imagine that for some people, if they lost their but apartment I don't think or if I'm they're losing any years off my life over it, just doesn't, mm. I don't, I'm not even conscious of it. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool as a cucumber, baby. Oh. I'll do okay. You know who's not no. cool as a cucumber? No. Oh. Oh, that's right. Michael B. Jordan. This is bad. Yeah. He crashed his Ferrari after a night out in Hollywood. The Creed star reportedly offered no explanation to LAPD for the wreck on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, this is Saturday night. Uh, the Creed actor, 36, allegedly struck a parked Kia with Uh-oh. his blue luxury. Ferrari, Ferrari versus Kia, huh? Ferrari <laughs> versus Kia. Um, you know, I was going to say, who do you think won? But that, that Ferrari's pretty messed up, right? Ouch. That Check looks out the bad. Kia. The Kia's in bad condition, but it doesn't look that bad. That's mm, probably where it was hit, too. So he yeah. sideswiped a, a Kia. What happened? That looks, was like he... like, that looks like more than a sideswipe. Was Jesus. it an accident or was it a has-been-drinking kind of situation? Well, let's see. The Ferrari is registered mm-hmm. to Jordan, was being driven by the actor when the accident occurred, but those reports could not be immediately confirmed by LAPD. The photos mm-hmm. from the crash obtained by TMZ show the Marvel star Ferrari was heavily damaged after the right side panel was apparently ripped off. In the accident, the Kia also sustained damage on its rear driver's side. It is unknown if the driver of the Kia was in the vehicle at the time. No injuries were reported. Officials told Page Six that there was no evidence of DUI and no charges have been filed. LAPD did not perform a field sobriety test. Why wouldn't they? That seems strange, don't you think? Colleen An officer, says, I bet my lunch. Mm-hmm. An officer, was he getting better treatment because he's famous? An officer at the scene reportedly asked the actor what happened, but Jordan opted to not provide a reason. That would seem like even like the probable cause to do a field sobriety test, don't you mm-hmm. think? Yeah. Uh, representatives for Jordan did not immediately respond to Huffing- Huffington Post's request for comment. It seems like there's two systems of justice here in the U.S. I don't know. That seems kind it's of too bad for the Ferrari. Oh, well. Yeah. Although the insurance company's probably happy that it was a Kia. Mm. <laughs> well, we only have to replace a Kia. Oh, that's fine. Guess who's not touring anymore? Who's that? Maybe. Lo- anybody. All live tours could be gone. What? 
Yeah. Kiss? Uh, Ki- Kiss is saying goodbye to live touring, becoming the first U.S. band to go virtual as digital avatars. This could Just be like the, the wave NF- of the future. NFTization of. Uh, I guess tour? so. Would you pay to go see avatars? I don't pay to see oh. artists. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't no. think I would go pay to see avatars. <clears throat> I mean, that takes a whole away. I didn't the pay whole... to go see the movie Avatar. It takes away the whole like feeling of well, it's live music. It's you like know, it's real. Something different could happen, and there's a show going. No, it's not a show if it's the same every time, and they have to do that with avatars, right? Yeah. Wow. Saturday night, Kiss gave their final performance of their end of the road farewell tour at New York City's Madison Square Garden. They say uh, during the an- encore. They left the stage to reveal digital avatars of themselves. After the transformation, the virtual kiss launched into a performance of God Gave Rock and Roll to You, the cutting-edge technology used to tease a new chapter of the rock band. After 50 years of kiss, the band is now interested in a kind of digital immortality. Industrial light and magic in Marin, the avatars created by... uh, ILM in a partnership with Pop House Entertainment Group. The two companies recently teamed up for the ABBA show in London, in which fans could attend a full concert as performed by ABBA's uh, digital avatars. So this, again, it's not just Kiss. Other bands are doing this too. In order to create their digital avatars, who are depicted as a kind of superhero version of Kiss, Kiss performed in motion capture suits. So they, you know, they have all the Kiss movements down. They have everything going on. Do they have any information about pricing? I don't think so. I don't know how much it's going to cost yet. But there's, I know there's a a K-pop girl group called Aespa, and they are doing digital avatars as well. So it could be that, you know, the next Taylor Swift concert you go to won't really be featuring Taylor Swift, but her avatar or... You know, whatever band, it'll be the avatars. You know, when the internet became mainstream, I thought good things can come from it. Now we just have like trolls in chat rooms and virtual mm-hmm. concerts. <laughs> Kiss says it's immortalizing them. They said we can be forever young and forever iconic by taking this can take us to places we've never dreamed before. Gene Simmons said the technology is going to make Paul jump higher than he's ever done before. So here it comes. Avatar concerts. I yeah, give it a thumbs I, down. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no, no. We teased, uh, we kind of teased this uh, breakup news. Oh, no. Yeah. Do you, you know, recognize who that is? Uh, I wouldn't have unless you had told me, but I don't know who he is, and I don't know. Is this a big deal? Yeah, this is Dua Lipa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Dua Lipa has broken up with her boyfriend, French director Romain Gavras. Uh, mm-hmm. This is... Uh, they were even seen uh, holding hands after leaving the Saint Laurent, Saint Laurent, Paris fashion sh- uh, show. Pics showed Gavras following the pop star as she exited in one of the designers' ensembles. Um, yeah, a few days earlier, they were spotted leaving the BAFTAs after party together. Source told the Sun they've been quietly getting to know each other for. Mo- Wait, this is about them breaking up. Anyway, um, mm. they've broken up. That's that's the story that you, you don't seem to. You don't Sayonara. Seem to <laughs> I mean, I don't. Uh, Mark would have been Mark would have been much more excited about it, but um, she's oh, available. Sorry. She's available, fellas. Oh, because Mark does Mark have a crush on Dua Lipa? Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, that's why. Well, yeah. I mean, he yeah, he's a big fan. Let's just say that. Hmm. He's a big fan. He yeah. loves Courtney though. Yeah. <laughs> of course he does. You know what yeah. um people are not loving though is the fact that their parents aren't being better babysitters for their kids. To which I say Is that what parents are for? Get a life. You have a kid, it's your responsibility to raise it, right? Millennials are feeling abandoned by the parents not available to raise their grandkids, to mm-hmm. help raise their grandkids. Too busy. Sorry, too busy. Some millennial parents say they feel abandoned because they their parents have chosen to travel in their retirement rather than <laughs> stay at home and uh, stay at home and get baked. They stay at home and raise their grandkids. Growing up, uh, this uh, they profile this one lady here. She um, remembers being regularly uh, babysat by her grandmother when her parents traveled, but she also has to schedule visits with her parents or in-laws months ahead of time. She said this L.A.-based psychologist and millennial mother explains that um, many of her millennial clients develop resentment. This is a a millennial with resentment and anger issues toward their parents because they feel like their parents have chosen their lives over meeting their grandchildren. uh, Well, I'm sure they wanted to meet their grandkids and then they want to get out of there, right? Mm -hmm. And building relationships are almost like they're... They're this three-fourths life crisis that they're in, she said, of boomers. And they're really looking at this as like, oh, my God, my life's almost over. When is my last day and how am I going to live my best life? Uh, Dobson says she and her sisters were initially put off by their 71-year-old father's decision to move to a luxury resort in Mexico. While they've come around to understand his decision, Dobson says that they had hoped that their father would be more available to raise their kids. Uh, it's, not about, it's not about her father being happy. Ted Dobson didn't seem to agree with his daughter's assessment of his life choices. The father told Business Insider that he still makes an effort to see his grandkids, but sometimes they're too busy to fit them into their schedules. Um, He also suggested those those in the younger generation live a more comfortable life than he did at the same age. Mm -hmm. They've all got nannies. They've got the damn nanny. They drive expensive SUVs. I drove a freaking minivan. (laughs) I haven't spent a (laughs) nickel. uh, I haven't spent a nickel less on my kids. I just spent some on me. Um, a recent study on the universe from the this is by the University of Cambridge and others found that millennials were more likely to have debt and less likely to own a home by 35. However, middle class millennials in the study had accumulated substantially more wealth than their boomer counterparts had by their mid 30s. Yet a fortune poll from earlier this year found that 35 percent of millennials in the U.S. still rely on their parents to help pay their bills. That's a lot. You know, my yeah. mom told me when I had kids, she said, listen, and the, before they either of them popped out, she said, I will babysit. But I will not babysit every day. Don't ask me more than once or twice a week. You're like, she goes, that's why we moved. That's why we moved she, next door. <clears throat> she has a life too. You know, she goes to lunch with friends. She travels. She has stuff she needs to do. She's doing, you know, she has a life. And so it's not her responsibility to watch my children every day. Now, if if I have a different arrangement, you know, if I'm paying her or I have a different arrangement with her, whatever. I'm glad that my kids know are, you know, growing up next to my mom, that they have that relationship with her, but it's not her responsibility every single day to help me babysit my children. How people could feel resentment toward their, their parents for not. So, okay. You know what I call that? Entitlement. Entitlement. Yeah. I guess I could, I could see that if my, if she had moved to a, luxury resort in mexico where she didn't even care about being around us or getting to know them then maybe i could feel like oh that's really a bummer that she didn't care enough to stay around and get to know them right that's sad she moved in with like jorge and he's like uh, on the beach giving her massages on the other hand this is their time of (laughs) life where they need they want to go do stuff go do stuff right yeah 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not your job. I mean, it's it's nice no. to have them around, but it's mm-hmm. not their job. It's not their job. Yeah. Uh, this is a cool story. This is in Sonoma, the town of Sonoma. Pretty oh. cool. It's called Dillon Land. Uh, when I saw Dillon Land, I thought it was going to be Dillon's Beach, but it's, it's Sonoma, the town. Yeah, it's the town of Sonoma. This family, Dillon Stahl, is the man's name, and his family have okay. brought back Dillon Land. It's on Grove Street in the town of Sonoma. And it's pretty incredible, the holiday display they have come up with. It's really elaborate. They have a three-quarter of an acre plot on a former horse pasture on Grove Street in Sonoma. And so uh, he said it's like having a childhood dream fulfilled to have the biggest Christmas light display. Dylan said, I love my childhood. They did an amazing job as parents. I believed in Santa till I was about 13 years old. I had such a good childhood that it's hard not to want to go back to it. It's pretty incredible. They have a concrete cast of Dylan's face used as a display for Han Solo frozen in carbonite. I mean, it's really elaborate what they've done here. The first decoration is on farm equipment right next to the entrance. It's a Darth Vader figurine with a Christmas red lightsaber riding a tractor. After that, he said, after that first one, he said, I went crazy and I just never stopped buying stuff. Lights from Dillon Land leave a purple haze on nearby trees over Grove Street. They, um, yeah, they've been collecting these all these decorations for years. And it's just this incredible display visitors are are giving donations to keep it you know growing and keep it going on Mm -hmm. yeah very cool he said i just take whatever donations there are and i put it right back into this place and the rest goes to pg and e which is a lot uh but in the end he said it's totally worth it so they finished they started setting up their winter wonderland september 30th they finished just before black friday and now it's up and running and if you're looking for something like this and usually you know, there's one in several towns. I think there used to be one in Novato. Is it free? There's someone in San Rafael that has. Uh, it's di- donations. So you can Donation. donate or not, you know, depending. Very mm-hmm. cool. Um, I've decided not to do the next story um, because we probably don't want to end on a story about people dying. So- oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it an audible here. I'm going to reroute. We're going to do the story about Riz. Have you heard of Riz? Riz. It's based off of the word charisma. Yeah, it has been named the word of the year for 2023 by Oxford Oxford University Press. That's right. Are you good at chatting up or flirting with potential partners? Yes. If so, you may already have Riz, even if you didn't know it. The Oxford word of the year, internet slang for romantic appeal or charm, is mostly used by young people. It is one of eight, I would say exclusively used by young people. It is one of eight words on the shortlist, all chosen to reflect the mood, ethos, or preoccupations of 2023. The list was narrowed down in a public vote before Oxford... Uh, made the final decision. Um, they have a quote here from Tom Holland saying that he had admitted, that's the Superman actor, that he has no Riz. What no is Riz? Riz? No Riz. Yeah, totally has Riz. What is Riz and do you have it? Uh, I think It's charisma. Have, I think if you have to ask, I probably don't have it. The word it might car- not mean yeah. anything to you if you're not Generation Z, but it's used massively online with billions of views with the hashtag Riz on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, Oxford... Uh, University Press, which publishes the uh, the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, it is dis- uh, defined as style, charm, or attractiveness, and the ability to attract a romantic or sexual partner. The term might be shortened 
Uh, it's thought to be a shortened form of the word charisma, as you were saying. It also can be used as a verb saying to riz up, um, which means to attract, seduce, or chat someone up. It essentially is a newer version of game, right? Like you've got game. To mm -hmm. find a skill, prowess, and the ability to attract others sexually by using one's charm. So, um, do, you, do you have riz? I think if you think that you do or you say that you do or you, you ask if you do, then you probably don't. Um, do you want to hear some of these other words? Eric says, my son gave me such a look when I used the term riz. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do you want to hear some of these other words? Okay. Beige flag. Do you know what a beige what? flag is? Is that like you're boring? A character trait that indicates that a partner or potential partner is boring or lacks originality. <laughs> yeah. Also a trait or habit, especially of a partner, a potential partner uh, viewed as extremely characteristic, but not distinctly good or bad. Um, have you heard of situationship? No. What's that? A romantic or sexual relationship that is not considered to be formal or established. Ah, so just like kind of the situation which not, we have here is a situation. Situationship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh let's see uh heat dome is that when it's a like you're getting it on a car a persistent high pressure weather system over a particular geographic region which oh, traps a massive like, hot air I thought it. I thought this was going to be slang I didn't think that these are okay. all the uh, these are all the, the okay the, they were on the list these sorry the Spencer list. Christian heat dome right okay what's it <laughs> you, well, you know this next one the Swifty as well oh, a Taylor fan yeah, yeah enthusiastic fans um yeah and uh, I'll give you one more. De-influencing, the practice of discouraging people from buying particular products or of encouraging people to reduce their consumption or material goods, especially via social media. So, well, you're still influencing. You're just influencing people away from Right, but from the idea things. is that you're doing a specific. You're discouraging oh, people from doing yeah. mm -hmm. Right, so you're kind of in the opposite. Kay and Senator Rosa does not like that that's the word of the year. Riz. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Especially since it's not even really a word. <laughs> The slang word. It's going to come and go, right? Well, should we end it there? Should we go on on the uh, the crest of the Riz wave? <laughs> I think we should check out with Riz. Yeah, Riz, that's it. Riz, Riz, Riz. Hey, I'm that guy, says Grady. That's right. It's been a, a fun show. Thank you for hanging out with us on this Monday afternoon. We are so grateful to Wes for the $5 contribution. Wes, you always step up for us, and we're so grateful to you. Doug with a $5 sticker thing. So nice of you. And Rod with a $20 super chat. Thank you. You are awesome. And I and really appreciate it. Nancy V, Vincent V, Ricky F. With all y'all, without y'all, we wouldn't have been able to do this show, put it on, bring it to you every day, Monday through Friday. Thank you so much. Eric says we have Riz. That's right. We'll see you tomorrow on the After Party Live. Bye, guys. Have a great Monday afternoon. Bye bye.